Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom with me, Kieran Paul. It's time, of course, now for our News in Brief episode, where I'm joined by Incitia's Rebecca Sherritt and Antoinette Giblin. And also today, Will Arnott, another member of our fine editorial team. Now, with another bumper proxy season now drawing to a close, we're going to review some of the most notable proxy fires to have drawn to a close in the past few weeks. But of course, the ins and outs of these campaigns and much more will be featured on our newswire as the proxy season continues. So welcome again, Rebecca and Antoinette. Thanks, Kieran. Glad to be back. Good to be here, Kieran. And Will, I did say I would get you back, and I have. I'm sort of graduating from cameos to series regular now. And then the next step will be presenting, and I'll be a guest. (laughs) Uh, So, Antoinette, uh, let's start with some US campaigns. What was the outcome of Scott Freeman's campaign at MindMed? Yes, Kieran, this is one of the ones we had been watching. So MindMed is a New York-based biopharma company, and MindMed secured shareholder support for all six of its nominees at its June 21st annual meeting. Now, Scott Freeman, who is MindMed's founder, and he's also a 3.5% shareholder, he had been seeking four of that company's um, six board seats, and he had said that he had a better plan to bring the biotech's drugs to the market than the current management team do. So a bit of controversy surrounded that AGM, the AGM date, I should say, as um, it had been delayed by a week or so, as uh, management said it had failed to satisfy the required 33% quorum at the time. So it was held uh, about a week late. So when it was eventually held on June 21st, it did have a 40% turnout. So, as I said, management successful there. And a day after the AGM, Freeman came back fighting, uh, moving to highlight the level of support that the activist group did receive and said they had won over 50 percent of the retail shareholder vote. So an interesting situation unfolded there. And the dissident said that that result that showed that over 50 percent level of support from from retail investors, that it underscores the widespread concern about the company's um, a number of pain points he detailed as excessive spending, outrageous executive and director compensation, flawed corporate governance practices um, and delayed and mismanaged clinical trials. So he pointed to all those particular areas. Um, and also, I might mention with this one in the coming weeks, just keep an eye out for an in-depth from Insighty that we're due to publish on how that campaign played out behind the scenes um, and a particular policy change that helped the company escape a stalemate there. So keep tabs on that one. We certainly will be. Um, now, we also saw an end to a withhold campaign targeted at Cano Health. Yes, this company is um, a US primary care provider and we saw another management win here, but this one largely due to the company's plurality voting standard. So Canyo Health returned Alan Money, the chairperson of the primary care providers compensation committee and Kim Rivera, the chairperson of its nominating and corporate governance committee. Back to the board. And this was all despite a withhold campaign that had been led by three former directors. And those directors are Elliot Cooperstone, Lewis Gold and Barry Sternlicht. Um, Once again, I'm not entirely sure about the pronunciation, but hopefully I got that one right. 
So those three dissidents, they said that more than 75% of the votes that had been cast at that meeting had been withheld from the two directors that were facing re-election there, the two I just mentioned. And um, because of that 75% withhold vote, uh, they described that vote as a clear and striking referendum on the failures of Canio's leadership. So the activists had even secured the backing of proxy advisory firms, institutional shareholder services and Glass-Lewis. And also at that meeting, there was also a rebellion as regards Canyo's say on pay plan that was rejected by shareholders and a reverse stock split amendment was also met with majority opposition, according to the company statement issued after the meeting. So those former directors, um, the three I mentioned earlier, they had resigned from the board in late March and they had cited a number of concerns at that time, including an unaccountable CEO. Um, And they said that regardless of the board's what they described as apparent disdain for stockholders feedback, that they were going to continue their push and that they were going to pursue change through all available means. So, um, yeah, the company is still within their sights. I think it won't be the last we have heard from them. It'll be interesting to see if we get more campaigns rearing their head at healthcare companies. In the first quarter of 2023, healthcare actually came in joint first place with the industrial sector for the number of US-listed companies targeted by activists. Okay, but the activists did have some success at Rumbleon. Yeah, Rumbleon, another one that has come to a conclusion, and Rumbleon is a pre-owned vehicle marketplace. It announced the appointment of Mark Tkach as interim CEO in a settlement that concluded its proxy fight with the Coulter Tkach activist duo. Once again, that's their name. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. So those two activists, uh, they control nearly a third of Rumble on between them. And they had been pushing for a range of changes there, despite a number of concessions that Rumble on had made in recent weeks in response to the proxy contest. So there were a number of them. In May, for example, the company had named... Um, activist-backed Stephen Pulley to its board and he was one of the four board candidates that they had advanced in April. He replaced Peter Levi and that was the company's chief operating officer and he was also one of the activist primary targets so there were concessions made there and as well as that there were also some other governance changes made at the time um, including the appointment of a new chairman to replace um, CEO Marshall Chesrown um, in a new policy introduced by the company to separate the two top roles. Um, so a number of um, concessions had already been made. But as part of this um, and most recent settlement, Coulter has been named as a board observer until his election at the 2023 annual meeting, which is due to take place on July 14th. And he will have access to all board activities and access to books and records during that time. So, yes, another interesting one there. Well, thank you, Antoinette. Uh, Now, crossing to Canada, Rebecca, what came of Pelham Investment Partners' bid for board seats at metals company Nickel 28? Well, Pelham's campaign at Nickel is definitely an interesting one, where the company did successfully defend itself against the activist, but the company's own directors didn't exactly win the endorsement of investors either. Pelham, which owns a 14% stake in Nickel, nominated its own managing member, Ned Collery, and four other candidates to replace the company's board to remedy what the fund manager called the company's excessive executive compensation and pretty poor independent oversight. The June 12th annual meeting did see all five of Nickel's director nominees re-elected, but none of them actually received majority support instead averaging around 40% support each, 
Palin said that directors to receive under 50% support should voluntarily resign, given that it's clear they haven't really won the favour of investors. But we've heard no update as of yet on whether any directors plan to do so in the short time that's passed since the vote. From Canada now then to Europe, uh, Brentag defended itself from Primestone. Rebecca, tell us more about this one. Essentially, the Brentag campaign boils down to Primestone Capital seeking two board seats, amid claims that the German chemical company would benefit from spinning off its specialties unit to potentially double its share price. The company was resistant, arguing that such a move would be needlessly disruptive. Ultimately, investors did not lend their support to Primestone's two dissident nominees, but the activists argued that shareholders are clearly frustrated with the company, given that incumbents Richard Vidinj and Sujatha Chandrasekharam both received only 62% support for their re-election. ISS and Glass-Lewis both also supported the activist. So while the campaign has technically drawn to a close, there still feels like potential for further engagement down the line. And from Europe to Asia, uh, the Fujitech campaign was full of twists and turns. How did it draw to a close? The Fujitech campaign was certainly a memorable one and ended with Oasis Capital securing what was essentially two back-to-back victories against former Fujitech CEO Takakazu Uchiyama. For those that might not be familiar, Fujitech has essentially been subject to consecutive proxy contests. Starting way back in 2020, Oasis called on Fujitech to oust Uchiyama over claims he was involved in suspicious related party transactions. After some heated back and forth, Uchiyama was unseated, and Oasis replaced three Fujitech directors with four of its own nominees at a March special meeting earlier this year. That wasn't the end for Uchiyama, though, who just a month after launched a campaign for eight board seats. At the recent June 21st annual meeting, however, Uchiyama was dealt another blow, with shareholders opposing all eight of his nominees. Whether this really is the end of the Fujitech campaign remains to be seen, but the fact that shareholders are largely aligned with Oasis's thinking is now particularly evident. And Will, uh, we've been pretty busy on the Insider Newswire in recent weeks with our coverage of Say on Pay Votes. You also recently published the second of our compensation roundups on the Newswire. What did this one explore? So while our first compensation roundup explored the largest granted and realised compensation packages that have been disclosed within the first quarter of this year, our second roundup looks at some of the companies which have had the largest rise in support compared to last year in terms of, say, on pay opposition, as well as looking at some that have faced mass opposition. It touches on companies like Centerpoint Energy, where supports for its say on pay proposal jumped by 60 percentage points in the last year, as well as Netflix, which has faced over 70% opposition for the second year running. This is also complemented by an in-depth on the biggest say on pay revolts of the season. What companies did it feature? So this in-depth report explores more closely the similarity between average say-on-pay opposition during the first five months of last year and the first five months of this year. It looks closely at some of the biggest revolts which have already occurred in 2023, such as Simon Property Group and Prologis, as well as taking a look at annual meetings still to come this year, which faced majority opposition to their executive compensation plans in 2022 
This includes the likes of Western Digital, Mercury Systems and Sorrento Therapeutics. Well, thank you, Will. Yes, and I thoroughly recommend uh, our listeners to get on reading those. Uh, Now, before we go, we have to mention our wonderful new report, ESG 2023. Yes, this report is one we are particularly proud of. This is our first rendition of the publication that explores responsible investing in a much more comprehensive light beyond just ESG activism. And we made the decision to make this year's ESG report broader in scope, given the number of interesting and largely unexpected developments happening in regards to ESG on the part of both regulators and institutional investors this season. This is also our first report to feature data from our new ESG module, which tracks and ranks the ESG-related commitments of more than 15,000 global companies. Plus, we're also able to delve into corporate Scope 3 emissions reporting, thanks to data from Diligent Solution Clarity AI. So please do give the report a read and let us know what you think. And yes, there's a link in the show description where you can download the report for free. As for today, though, that's the end of the episode. Uh, So my thanks to Rebecca and Antoinette. I'll see you next time. Um, Will, third time's the charm? Charmed as ever, Karen. 